0: Cat Blitz Time on the Believe Network. Let's get into a late week edition of the show. Later in the week edition of the show, right here on Valley Sports of Isle, of course, on Talking Cats with Russ Heltman, the YouTube page and whatever podcast platform you frequent. You can find us there as well. Subscribe, rate, and review. I'm your host, Russ Heltman of All He's my co-host Neil Meyer of the frontoffice news.com and all bearcats as well. We got to tell you about Bet Online before we get into today's show. They continue to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops, throughout the year. With up to the minute odds stats and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with end game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime with your desktop or mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. And remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's a B L E A B for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. The game starts here. Neil, we're in the thick of basketball season, but we had a abrupt news drop from the football program in recent weeks. Let's get to that first as Derail Sims, kind of one of the big, Portions of this running attack, running backs coach Darrell Sims, of course, leaving UC to take the running backs coach role at Tennessee. And we'll start there, Neil. We'll dive into some other things this show as well in terms of UC athletics. Check in on the women's basketball team as they start to wind down their season. Just three games remaining in the Big 12 slate for Katrina Merriweather's first run as head coach of that team. And we will also look at Chisel James performing like a top 15 freshman so far nationally in the 2023-24 season. Plus, we'll close the show with a look at TCU, a game that could ultimately be the fulcrum point and the game that decides the NCAA tournament fate of the Bearcats when the season is all wrapped up on the men's side in just a couple of weeks. But first, Neil, let's get to Derail Sims, who is no longer with the program, takes the job at Tennessee. I think it's a decent loss, Neil, but not one that should ultimately keep UC from matching or exceeding the heights that they had on the ground in 2023.
1: Yeah. And if you ask me personally, Russ, I I would think it's a significant loss just due to how the season went last season. Obviously the running game was the bread and butter of Scott Satterfield's offense a season ago. And, Darrell Sims was a huge part of that offense. I mean, you look at what he was able to do at Louisville, what he was able to bring here to Cincinnati, he led this, got this team back to a top five rushing attack in all of college football behind Corey Kiner's 1,000-yard season. I thought he was a drastic part in Corey Kiner's success this season. I mean, Corey saw career highs in just about every statistical category um, averaged 5.5 yards per carry, if I remember right, 1,070-something yards. So overall, it was a it's a huge loss. And, I mean, you look at him uh, from that standpoint and what he was been able to do. It, this was a Cincinnati team that averaged 217 yards on the ground per game, which was fifth in all of college football. But matter of fact, it was third in the Big 12. But the only schools ahead of them was West Virginia and UCF. So they're third in the big 12 in rushing a season ago. And now you lose your top running back coach and Darrell Sims go to Tennessee and everybody knows the sec. It's like, if you're losing coaches and assistants to the sec or the NFL, which is something Scott Satterfield has done now twice this offseason with Brian Brown heading out to Ole miss. It's it means you're doing things in the right direction. You're doing things the right way where if these sec schools or the NFL teams come calling for your assistance, it means you have the right guys. And I mean, that even happened before he came to Cincinnati. I mean, he had his tight ends coach was poached by the Indianapolis Colts before the season even started. So overall, you're looking at the guys that Scott Satterfield is considering as assistant coaches for the staff. And these are guys who are drawing interest from other programs all across the college football landscape and potentially the NFL – so for Darrell Sims to leave right now for Tennessee, it sucks. I think it's a significant loss, especially there with how the rushing attack was really kind of guiding this team throughout the 2023 season. It was an up and down season. They faced a lot of adversity. But I think the one thing that we can talk about, Russ, that remains steady throughout that season was the rushing attack.
0: No doubt. And it's, it's a significant loss for sure. And it's one of those losses where, like I mentioned, I think it's significant. But the sum of the parts and the overall makeup of the offense, especially that rushing attack, it should just continue getting better, I would say. I, I think the rushing attack, it would be a more so a trepidatious like, type of situation, Neil, if Nick Cardwell were to leave abruptly here in the next few weeks. If he were the one that was leaving in terms of just being a big part of that run scheme, a big part of this, the down-to-down, day-to-day tutelage of that offensive line, it's, it's kind of going without saying, people know this nowadays in 2024 as we sit here in the sport of college football and football at large, offensive linemen are what drive production mm-hmm. running game on top of you need a decent running back to be able to get that kind of total amount of production to maximize it, which Corey Conner is more than decent, but I don't think the, the loss of to rail Sims is going to necessarily make the running back room bad all of a sudden, or turn the offensive line, make them not be able to block all of a sudden. The the integrity of the run game should still be there, but it does start to worry you a little bit, Neil, in the fact that, on one side, it's a great thing that assistants are getting plucked away from other schools. When you think about other schools looking at them as top options, as Scott Satterfield has brought in the best guys possible for him to be able to get on his staff. But, Neil, you have that other side of the coin where as a team in the mid-tier of the power conferences, as a team trying to get a foothold in the Big 12 and trying to just get its standing, get its bearings in this power conference life to constantly every year so far have guys get plucked away from your staff offensively, get that brain trust kind of chipped away at, it's it's really difficult because, I mean, in terms of Darrell Sims and his options – And when you look at Brian Brown, you can't come up with the same alma mater status that UC had in the case of Ole Miss with Brian Brown. But it would be nice, Neil, if UC could, and they've already added money to the assistant pool last year, but if they were able to meet the same monetary values that these assistant coaches in the SEC were making, it would make these things a lot easier. But that all boils back down to the TV revenue and the ultimate fact that the Big Ten and the SEC are in one financial playing field and everybody else is in another one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that you talk about was the assistant salary pool. People forget that when Scott Satterfield was hired, he actually took a lesser amount of salary to have his assistant salary pool bumped up tremendously. And I believe it was the Probably
0: anticipating some of this, right, Neil? Don't you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I believe, if I remember right, it was the highest assistant salary pool in program history, if I'm mistaken. And that's a huge testament at what Scott Satterfield is able to do as a coaching staff, and he's bringing in the right coaches. And, I mean, if they're getting plucked away from the NFL or these high-powered SEC jobs, that means he knows something about ball, and he's bringing in the right guys. But in the end, it is kind of worrisome going year to year, and you're worrying about coaches getting plucked away left and right. But that's just not Cincinnati. That's all of college football right now. I mean, heck, you look at Michigan losing their whole coaching staff just about to go out with Coach Harbaugh to Los Angeles and take on the Chargers job. I mean, Kalen DeBoer going to Alabama. Like this is just something that is happening all across college football and not just here in Cincinnati, but losing a guy like Darrell Sims, obviously is going to be something substantial right now because you look at what just happened over recent weeks, you land a four-star commit in Zion Johnson where Darrell Sims was the lead recruiter on the case. And and who is one of his offers, Neil? Tennessee. And he was a top 250 prospect and chose to come to the Bearcats and then ultimately derails Sims takes the Tennessee job. And now it's like, what happens? Obviously, no one knows what's going through the young man's mind. But overall, he is the number one recruit right now in the class of the 2025. So overall, that's something to keep an eye on and monitor because you never know in these recruiting situations, especially when you see a lead recruiter kind of leave or take a new job, you just never know what could happen in recruiting until that NLI is signed. Nobody knows. Until that national letter of intent is signed and submitted to the school, anything can happen. Yep. And it, it truly means that. It's tough, man.
0: It's just one of those examples. A perfect example right there where UC, they have a great running back coach. They haven't been trenched. They got him on the on the recruiting trail, getting premier talents in terms of what UC has historically brought in from the high school ranks the best 2025 recruit so far obviously we're very early I think he's just Mm.
1: he's the fourth overall of the class
0: yeah he's the fourth commit overall so it's obviously very early we're going to get hopefully some more four-star news down the line in the the spring and summertime but that guy signs two weeks later Tennessee sees oh he brought in a four-star oh we just lost our running backs coach to the NFL Tennessee did and Jacksonville Jaguars hiring away their coach we're going to go down the line and get this guy in the Big 12 who took a player and was able to get a player to commit at a program that was dominant on the ground last year. And we're going to bring him right over to us to help continue our dominance. Tennessee was very good last season on the ground. I think they were like top 15 nationally, something like that, overall. Mm -hmm. So they were ninth in the nation in rushing, um, total rushing yards overall, and UC was fifth nationally. Darrell Sims out, and we'll see how they replace him, Neil. No real kind of, massive gauge on who Scott Satterfield is going to bring in as we kind of close out this Ferg segment, Tyson Veit that came out of nowhere. I mean, he kind of canvassed the entire spectrum of college football and went for the guy he felt best served the role, no matter of relationship ties, factoring into that. And so I think it's going to be a similar type of thing here, Neil, where Scott Satterfield knows that he has the resources. He has the money. He has the assistant money pool. To be able to kind of, I think, go out and push some buttons and make some calls that to people that may not be really familiar with him, but may be able to think, wow, look at what UC has in their coffers, uh, both player wise and money wise to offer me contractually. I might be willing to take a chance on this coach that I don't know to be able to go to this program, this offensive situation, and this monetary value that would probably be a boost. I would imagine it's going to be a boost financially for anybody that comes over and takes the running backs coach role interesting to see where they go with that I would what do you think I think they they would you'd imagine they get this thing filled in the next couple weeks right before spring ball for sure
1: yeah absolutely And that was going to be something I talk about obviously spring ball is right around the corner and this is one of those opportunities where we're approaching the end of February spring ball starts in roughly two and a half three weeks this is going to be something where you're going to have to get this filled relatively quick before spring ball takes off but just as Scott Satterfield mentioned in his press conferences after the Tyson White hire, he took his time because he wanted to get the right guy. He didn't want to pluck from his coaching tree at Appalachian State. He wanted to explore all of his options. And to be honest with you, Russ, I think he does the same thing here, takes the same process, and takes his time with the hire to make sure that they get the right guy here for that running back's coach in Cincinnati.
0: Going to be an interesting one, and we will, of course, be all over it on the podcast whenever that hire is made, touching on it. In the ensuing next episode, and Neil is right, spring football, fast approaching, excited to see how the fellas are looking out there at Nippert Stadium, the final spring session, I think, at Nippert Stadium before the big indoor facility is completed, they'll be out there uh, inside the indoor facility in 2025 and beyond for spring ball neil meyer russ Heltman with you on all on bearcat blitz and all bearcats and we are coming back with a look at the women's basketball team winding down their season we'll check in with them and jizzle james performing like a top 15 freshman nationally we'll tell you why and how that was assessed after all this on bearcat blitz Switching to the hardwood, Neil, for the rest of the show here and looking at the ladies' side of things with Cincinnati at 12-14 and 14, as we currently stand as of this recording in their 2023-24 season. Games remaining against Texas Tech, number 24, Baylor, and at Iowa State. They're at Texas Tech up next this coming weekend, a 3 p.m. tip there. And, Neil, there on an unfortunate four-game losing streak after – Pairing back to back wins against Texas Tech a few weeks ago and at UCF, but have gone on to lose their past four games overall, four and 11 on the season in the Big 12. They're 12 and 14 overall. What would you say in terms of the expectations? You're a little bit closer to the program, obviously, than I am going into this season versus where we stand now at 12 and 14. How would you assess year one in
1: Under Katrina Maryland? Yeah, year one, I think. Katrina Merriweather and this staff, they're they are knocking it out of the park. Yes, the record is still sitting at 12 and 14 on the season, just 4 of 11 in Big 12 play, but you're looking down from a season ago in 2022 to 2023 where the program finished 9 and 21 and 2 of 14 in the American Athletic Conference. They lost 6 straight to end the season. Katrina had to not only re-recruit the girls that were still here, but she had to go out and recruit her own staff, her own Uh, recruits as well, bringing in a staff. But you also look down at their record this season. They're without Maya Jackson, who missed time at the beginning of the season with a knee injury. She came back. She has not played since middle of January after Mm -hmm. re-aggravating the knee injury. So she's been shut down completely. That was one of your top three
0: scores, top three offensive players
1: right there. And she was leading the team in scoring three point shooting. She was one of those guards who provided veteran experience, leadership, could do everything just about for that team. And then she gets banged up, and then you lose time with Destiny Thomas and Clarissa Craig were also hurt. They're in the front court for Katrina Merriweather as well, and they were banged up in the front court. Clarissa Craig missed the first 10 games of the season. And then Destiny Thomas missed like a two- to three-week period. And then Clarissa comes back. So they're starting to get fully healthy there as well. But really, they have been relying – on Jillian Hayes and Malaya Williams and even true freshman Reagan Jackson at times so I mean and Ariel Jackson as well to throw in there she's picked up a big role with Maya being out but overall those four I mean Jillian Hayes I mean she solidified her spot into all-time Cincinnati legacy with uh what she's been able to do over the last four seasons she just picked up her 1000th point and 800th career rebound so that is fantastic for Jillian Hayes. I mean, that is top 10 in each category for her. Still has an extra year of eligibility left as well with the COVID year. But right now what she's doing throughout Big 12 play is fantastic. She's averaging 13 and nine throughout Big 12 play, which is fantastic. And then Reagan Jackson, I mean, the future is really bright for her, obviously taking on a role where she comes into the season, not knowing really what to expect at that point guard position with Maya Jackson and Ariel Jackson looking to take the bull by its horns at that point guard, the one and two guard position. And then Reagan Jackson gets forced into a role where she has to go and play significant minutes after the injury. And she's taken advantage of her opportunity as she's averaging nine points a game and she's a true freshman. So there's still bright things and big things to come for Reagan Jackson at that point guard position, but you're looking down at the schedule that was built for Katrina Merriweather this season, Russ, we've talked to her a couple of times and, when we talked to her on the show that we had her on on this show, yep. look down, this was right that was right after the Paradise Jam, where she had to go through number 17 Louisville in the first game of the season, go out to the Virgin Islands and take on a top 10 Colorado team, a top 10 NC State team. They get the big win versus Kentucky. They beat a team in Toledo that is projected to win the Mac shortly after. So they are taking the steps in the right direction. And I can tell you right now with what Katrina Merriweather and this staff is doing on the recruiting trail, it's going to be a fun time in Clifton with how they're attacking the recruiting trail. They're doing it the right way. You see the caliber of prospects they are bringing in. We have seen D. Alexander on campus a couple times for unofficial visits. That is a big priority target. They are making a huge effort to keep her home here in Cincinnati, the Purcell Marion star. So I think right now that they are doing a fantastic job at building this thing back up from where it was a season ago, getting this culture and this program back. The sisterhood motto I think is fantastic. It really shows the motto and what they are trying to build here. And I think for Katrina Merriweather, she has exceeded all expectations in year one. I really do.
0: Great summation right there. Uh,
1: Neil Meyer, I, I
0: would have to agree. I mean, you go 9-21 and in the AAC last year. A complete, we know how this goes with the basketball and football side of things, complete roster change, complete conference change, and complete coaching change. I would say it went about below expectations in football, but I would say it went above expectations in basketball. Katrina's done a very solid job. And as you mentioned, Neil, the talent is just going to keep getting better and better and better baseline for this program over the next few years. And we'll see if they can hopefully... Break this losing streak to close the year, maybe get one or two more wins, finish it out strong, and maybe make some noise in the conference tournament. You never know what can happen there. Shout out to Jillian Hayes, though. Great, great Bearcat. Great, great career. And Bearcats fans, I'm sure, hoping that she can be that final veteran piece that returns next year on what should be an even more talented roster for Katrina Merriweather and company. Real quick, Neil, before we get to a TCU preview, I wanted to note Jizzle James and just how well he has played compared to other freshmen this season. According to EvanMaya.com, James is the 13th best freshman nationally by a Bayesian performance rating. It's kind of his all encompassing analytic metric look that he applies to lineups, full teams, all players. It's kind of like EPA and football, similar type of thing. And James is actually, funny enough, Neil, performing at a better game-to-game and overall season rate than the man who scorned Cincinnati to go out West to play for USC, Isaiah Collier, who is at 24th on the Bayesian performance rating among, among freshmen. And Gissel James is above him. That's number yeah. 13, 7.5 points, 2.1 assists. Played a little bit worse in conference play, Neil. but He's shown up in some big games so far this season, and he's done more than enough to make fans believe that he can take a massive leap in year two.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the Isaiah Collier sitting at number 24. He's sitting that low probably because he missed about a month due to the broken wrist he suffered. But you look down and you're looking at that list. I have it pulled up in front of me. The number one prospect on that list, Reed Shepard. Number three, Rob Dillingham. Number five is a guy the Bearcats are very familiar with and Jacoby Walter. Joseph Tugler from Houston is at number six. Milan Momsavlovik from Iowa State is at number eight. So you're looking down right there in the top eight. There's three people that the Bearcats have seen in recent weeks. Jizzle James comes in at number 13. Below him is Aaron Bradshaw, who is a top five prospect heading into the season. Duke uh, freshman phenom Jared McClain's on that list at number 18. Johnny Furphy from Kansas has skyrocketed onto that list. Isaiah Collier and Justin Edwards, who are two top five prospects, are sitting below them. So Jizzle James has proven that he has been able to take the bull by the horns and be that impact player at that point guard position. And Russ, I don't know about you, but there are some times where you look and you watch Jizzle James play, and you're you just sit back and you're like, he's only 18, guys. Right. He's only 18, making moves. Where I mean, he's going into the paint sometimes, Russ, bullying these bigger size guards and wing defenders with ease, just getting to a spot. But I will say his favorite favorite move is that post game. What is it, that little mid-range baseline drive where he yeah, the to turnaround. the turnaround mid-range jumper? That is something that has been in his bag for recent years, and that is his. that is a move that I don't think many people can just stop. When he gets going downhill to get to that spot, good luck defending it. That's going to be a move that could potentially take him to the NBA, his willingness to drive, take contact through the lane. And he is playing like a sophomore or a junior right now in the Big 12 due to his physicality. If you look, and Kelvin Sampson even said it, that he looked and said he is not a freshman because of how strong he is. And when you get praise from a Hall of Fame coach like Kelvin Sampson, you know you're doing something right. We'll see if Jizzle can impact
0: a huge game on Saturday against TCU. Player to watch and quick prediction to close out the show right after this. Real quick, Neil, the big one, a massive, massive road matchup for Cincinnati at TCU. These two teams both hanging on to the NCAA tournament bubble, and whoever loses is in a bad, bad way for their chances to make the NCAA tournament. I'm going with Cincinnati in this one. I'm going to pick them to get the road win. They've been better on the road this year. They've gotten the road wins they've had to have. I think they get this one, 76 to 73. Obviously, biggest guy to watch out for on the TCU Horned Frogs is Emmanuel Miller, playing great, great ball in conference play, averaging even more points than he did in non-conference, 15.2 per game. Cincinnati did a decent job on him in the first matchup. I think they're gonna have to do an even better job on him in this road matchup to get the win. I think they get it get it done though, 76-73. What do we got you?
1: Yeah, I got 78-74 in favor of the Bearcats, but we just got to throw it out heading into this one. Looks like TCU might be without big man Ernst Uda, who missed the Texas Tech game. He averaged 11-9. He had 11-9 in the first contest. The Bearcats have been dominating the boards. I think without his presence, if he is unable to go, I think this could be a game where the Bearcats could dominate the glass and get things done yet again and build that momentum heading in there. But I'm going with Micah Peavy for TCU. The guard had a fantastic run that kind of wilted it and sparked that overtime run for TCU in the first matchup. Obviously, due to how things ended at the end, got real physical. John Newman and Michael Peavy got into it on a jump ball, led to a little eyebrow getting cut some stitches. It's going to be a physical matchup, and I think Michael Peavy is going to be that guy who steps up for TCU on Saturday. So that is who I'm going with. He's been averaging nearly 11 points a game. He has a big, long forward wing. And he he's a tough matchup on the defensive end when he gets going.
0: Big one on Saturday. We'll be here to touch on all of the key points and see who gets the job done on the first show next week across Bearcat Blitz, presented by Bet Online. This is the second. Fifteen seconds left. Shot clock off. Four point game. DeJulius puts up a three. Whoa!